Hello there, my name is Alex, and welcome to Nerds Corner, your home for anything and everything nerdy in our own special little corner. Today, we're going back to Book Nook, guys. Who's excited? Yes. I'm with my friends Justin and Ethan, and we're talking about The Gilded Ones by Namina Forna again. And today we are covering chapters 9 up until 14. Yeah, <laughs> so excited. I, I can't tell if they're actually excited because this is kind of our cutoff point for everyone listening. Uh, this is where we really decide if we want to keep going with this book or say, if like, it's trash. You were like, this is our third one cover. And I was like, yeah, and potentially our last one. We'll see. Third and potentially last. <laughs> so let's talk about that. What do you guys think? Uh, it was interesting. I will say I've been, um, right, as we've been going through this Fantastic Worlds class, um, I've been definitely reading with a more critical eye. And there were some things that I think definitely stood out to me in this chapter. As much as I was, like, nitpicking it, I'm not going to say I'm not kind of looking forward to, like, the whole training and, like, combat that they're about to learn. I'm kind of excited for that. But also, in the same time, I'm kind of not in terms of, like, everything else that I've kind of seen in the book and, like, what I'm reading. I'd say the combat that we've gotten, like, a small peek at so far is pretty interesting. I mean, I forget her name. It was... Oh, boy. Hold on. It was... Carmoko? (laughs) I don't even know how to say it. Carmoko Huon? Uh, Mm -hmm. Ethan listened to the audiobook, so Ethan actually knows the... Correct well, pronunciation. Nose is a relative term. I mean, I heard it. I don't know if just I just heard the. Uh, <laughs> she also did the entire thing with like an insanely thick African accent, so I don't really know ah. how to. Well, so. Carmar. Huon. We're going to go with Huon. Huon was the only one who's shown us combat thus far in the book. And. um... I thought it was pretty interesting. I mean, it was kind of one of those typical situations where it's like, oh, she's cute and innocent, so she's not going to take a man and then put him on his knees on the ground. Then she did. I was like, you know, I kind of saw that coming, but I still appreciated it. (laughs) But... I thought it was an interesting... Do we know how... um, What uh, Deka looks like in terms of, like, size-wise... Size? I thought so far I've imagined her as like average size, okay. but I think did they mention? Well, it? no. The I say that because right, this book is written in Dega's perspective, and when yeah. Huan is described to us, she's described as very fragile and like delicate, mm. and you know that's like oh, you're gonna like break her if you like touch her or like squeeze her too hard. That kind of description, but also I thought that was a very interesting description coming from someone like Deka, who I don't think is anyone especially strong or tall or big or anything of that sort. Usually that's, I feel like, who that description normally comes from, right? So, I mean, kind of talking about that characterization as we see Huan introduced in that way, and I kind of found that interesting. I was like, Deka kind of, like, sees that about her, and I was like, okay, so it's either A, this lady's, like, really small, or... It's just an interesting use of descriptors. Yeah, I think that's the trouble as well with first-person writing. 
uh, and I know Ethan will talk about this because I know Ethan. Um, and it's hard to picture a character because they can't really describe themselves other than like looking in a mirror or like saying, oh, they grasped my bony arm or something like that, right? It's hard to describe and to see this character. I think the best image I have of this character is the front the cover. cover yeah. Exactly. And even then, I still don't know her height. She looks pretty muscly to me on this. Well, kind of, at least. She looks, and more importantly, she has hair, which in this chapter, they went <laughs> bald, and that was a very, like, that was noted a lot, that everyone was bald. So. Um, to Justin's point, I think this author has a tendency to... Like, she writes in first person, but I think she thinks she's writing in third person at times. And sometimes the descriptions of stuff that she's giving are much more just a author telling us what is there than, like, giving us characterization of Deco, which is what it should be doing. Because that's, like, the strength of first person, right? Is that you're... Like, in a sense, it's an unre unreliable narrator because it's, like, a human narrator, and so their perceptions on things are going to be different just based on who they are. And so the descriptions that we're getting, like Justin said, should be more tailored towards showing us who Deka is. And I don't think the author does a great job of that. Also, I feel like I missed a part in this book. Where did Kata go? Like, for this is, we just read, what, oh, he's five chapters, he's and they haven't mentioned Kata? Yeah, but where <laughs> did they go? Like, they back. didn't mention that. Yeah, it's. They'll I think they kind of separated. Sure. They separated it's, for now I think the women are trained differently than the Uruni there. Mm -hmm. But so, uh, Alex, you that's brought definitely up... one of the things that's. Go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry. Um, you brought up a point before about how Huan or whatever her name was was kind of a stereotype, and that's just hearkening back to everything I've been saying about these characters from the beginning. <laughs> is that they're just so predictable and like stock standard <laughs> like the other one that like girl uh i forget her name it starts with a b the like Britta? proud girl no no the other one. Oh, proud girl uh, proud girl Bel i don't know her name. i think Something is her name like that. again just a stock standard like predictable character archetype like not that interesting <laughs> I, th I get the sense I mean, that she's, she's meant to be interesting, interesting but i don't I don't think, to me, she's kind of not, because I just know what type of character she is, and I can tell what's going on with her. Yeah, no, it's Belcalis, just so Bel you can stop searching there, Alex. Thank you. But, um, yeah, I know I did see that, although I see the stereotypes, but I also want to bring out another contradiction that I kind of saw with Deka, and maybe you can say, Justin, you're completely wrong. And that might be right. But um, I was reading. And right, I, we, what we see in Deka is that she's very, um, she's reserved. She's self-conscious about a lot of things, right? She has this desire to be pure. So anything that she does that isn't pure, right? We see she's like, oh, like I hope, like Oyomo forgives me. And so there's that kind of theme, and she's also just very unsure about her powers and talents, but also she is, like, oddly outgoing in these five chapters. I like how she's like, and she's, like, initiating and, like, oh, we need to be friends. We need to, like, 
the this okay the okay that line that Britta says about friends too got me i read that and i was like <laughs> but deka kind of like stretches her arm out to a, literally actually to these girls the team thing. And like, team. i was a little confused because yeah. we get this in in the the author writes it out is that like deka says this and she's like her heart was pounding like she was so nervous all this other stuff and i'm like usually those aren't I feel like those traits, those inner traits, are usually not there in someone who is taking an outward step in, like, reaching out to other people and trying to draw people in. So that was just something interesting well, I this noticed. This is where you get into the show, don't tell, right? I mean, I think the the author has done, and this is another thing that's been frustrating with Deka from the beginning, as I mentioned in one of the first podcasts that we did on this, uh, just... We're getting, like, told a lot of stuff about her internally, and, like, what she actually does just isn't interesting and doesn't show me her character. And like you said, she does have this odd outgoing, which seems to be Street. outgoing nature, which seems to be disparate from her internal dialogue that she that we see. And I, I'm also confused because I get the sense that she sees herself and other people who have this golden blood as, like, impure and everything and they need to be cleansed and then she also seems very just focused on getting cleansed and focused on her sort of what she owes to everybody around her or at least the people that aren't impure or like the emperor or whatever like she almost feels like indebted to them because she is you know impure or whatever um and i would and maybe this doesn't have to be the case, but I, I would just like to see that played out more in the way she acts and the way she treats, like, herself and other people that are also impure, you know what I mean? Like, it's just interesting to me that she has this whole dialogue of, like, she has almost no self-worth, and it's all because of the impurity, from what I can tell from her internal dialogue. But then she's also invested in this whole, we need to be a team and work together and help each other, and it's just, like, weird. Like, I don't understand how those two things are true at the same time. Well, I think you have a point. Maybe this is the author was attempting to go for, like, uh, okay, Deca's finally realizing that, you know, this is my situation. Gonna have to roll with it. Gotta roll with the punches. Though it was communicated poorly, um, giving De- Deca the benefit of the ba- doubt. Wow, English, can't speak that. Um, giving Deca the benefit of the doubt. I think maybe this was her realizing that she needs to be a little bit more brave than she's been and realizing, yeah, I am stuck here. But there's also some stuff here that I might want to check out. Like, oh, that symbol that I've noticed is now a symbol that appeared on my mother's necklace. What? Mm-hmm. I don't know. I think she's finally finding some reasons that this is important for her to stay. So I, let's, I feel like maybe there's... An inch or two to give her like a, a little bit of the benefit of the doubt and see where she goes from here well i i i have two comments on deka before um we kind of let her rest from this beating here um <laughs> point number one deka reminds me a lot of another character that i've read about um in a very popular series you might have heard of it harry potter um, harry potter never heard of in, it Harry does this thing, and you probably didn't pick up on it as a kid when you read the books. Like, when you're, like, third through sixth grade, you don't really think about this. But I've gone back and read some of them. 
and throughout the entire books, I think I'm like, I get mad at Harry because he doesn't do stuff. And he, it makes his life incredibly hard because of his stubbornness and like, oh, I'm not going to tell anybody this thing because like, I don't know why, but I'm just not going to. And then it turns out like, you know, Harry Potter could have been a one book series if he just like decided to be open about things. <laughs> that's kind of how something. I. That's kind of how I feel about Deka here. Is she has a lot of moments where she's like, "Oh, I have this ability. Oh, I can do this. I can do this. Whatever." And she just doesn't say anything about it. And she's so insecure about it. And I'm like, "Why? That's literally dope that your eyes change color and you can control night shrieks." And then like Britta says, like, "Oh, that can be advantage." And Deka's like. What? That can be an advantage? What? And I'm like yelling in my mind. I'm like, they could just open your eyes and see that you are someone special. And that if you tell people about it, they can help you out. That's kind of like where my anger was at. Like reading this, I'm like, ah! Yeah, I totally agree with your point there. Like, and not only, I understand what the author was trying to do, because I know she sees herself as impure and everything, but how much of a monumental idiot do you have to be <laughs> to like, like it, it was literally, it's not even as if it was literally that she had never considered the possibility that any of this could be useful. And I'm like, no human being would ignore the fact that that could be useful. Like it was the, one of the lines was literally like Britta had shifted her entire worldview. And I'm like, humans aren't that stupid. <laughs> like I, it was such a weird moment to me because, like, I understand what she was trying to do, but, like, people, yeah, people just aren't that dumb. And I don't get the sense that from some of the other stuff she does that Dake is that dumb. It's just, it was just so weird to me. It was definitely a, a weird point, too, when I was thinking, like, you guys are both right. Like, my first thought when I read about how she was like, I'm not going to tell anyone. I'm too shy. No. My first thought was, well, like, why? Shy, like, that's. Whatever. <laughs> she but it was it's so helpful like Britta literally said like dude why didn't you say that like sensing death shrieks is helpful like she doesn't why does she think she's gonna get killed all of a sudden if she mentions that she can control them they're here to train to get rid of them if they know that she can control them and or that she like that her eyes did that like she might be viewed as more useful right and even if she didn't say anything out loud like surely the thought occurred to her once that maybe it would be useful for something or also like hey maybe this would be this would be able to let me have less beatings or train us or something like then she could get more specialized training or something like that. Like, why wouldn't she want... She's stuck here for 20 years anyways in service unless she really wants to go uh, be a part of that death mandate again. Um, Which she tells us so, many times that she doesn't. <laughs> she she tells us a lot that she is not a fan of that death mandate. She does not want to go back. Also, it's kind of... I Okay. Going a little off topic here, I do like how the author pointed out. I think it's cool when they include little details, like how Deka doesn't want to eat meat anymore because it reminds her too much of smelling, like, and seeing her burning flesh. Mm-hmm. Sorry, that sounds gross, but you know, hey, whatever. Um, I thought that was a cool inclusion. Like, I like little, like, tiny bits like that when they're shoved into the book, but not when they're shoved in our face over and over. Like, yes, Deka, we get it. You didn't like being stabbed. You didn't like going, having been affected by the death mandate. Let's move on. Tell us some more about yourself. 
I think one thing. Uh, th- th- I promise. This is my. Uh, I don't know if I promise. This is my last thing on Deka. Um, <laughs> yeah, you had a second point. Uh, yeah, no, I th- I kind of m- melded them into two, but this can be my second point here. Um, and, and this is right after we see that she doesn't want to eat her breakfast sausage. So kind of great segue here. Um, she she has the symbol with her mom, right? That symbol on the necklace. And Ambaru, right? I think that's what that's called. I, yeah, Ambara. and it might Ambara, yeah, and it might just like play to Deka's dramatic nature, but like she finds out like, oh, you're not allowed to go see that archive book um for three weeks or whatever. And it's called the Herald Year or whatever. Um and so she can't see it for three weeks because they have to train for three weeks. And, you know, I think most people would be like, okay, that kind of stinks, but, like, whatever. But Dake is, like, devastated by this news. And, and I'll read you a little quote because I this astounded me. She says, um, she says, Dread choked me as I think of what could happen. The Karmokos forcing me into the caverns beneath the war through Barra to conduct tests the way the elders did back in her foot. The Jatu dragging me away to be executed again and again. I can't do that again. I can't. I have to learn about Mother. Find some method to control whatever ability is growing inside me. She. So, I'm like, wait, hold up. You're telling me you're going to go into this hall. Find out that your mom is a shadow. And suddenly it's going to tell you everything about the abilities that you have in you and how to control them? Weren't, okay. Wait a minute, I don't think that's how it works. I don't think that's how it works either, because I thought shadows were just, like, really well-trained women assassins. Yeah, exactly. Was there anything special about them other than the fact that they, like, weren't married at some point? If there is, certainly Deka doesn't know it, so why would she be thinking this? Exactly. And also, the other thing about that whole thing is just... Just the, uh, like, the whole thing, like, oh, I can't be executed again and again. It's like, when are you going to get it through your head? That is not what you're here for. They want to use you as a weapon. They are not going to execute you and do all those tests and stuff. That's literally, like, the reason that you're here is so that that doesn't happen anymore and you're used as a weapon. Like, I don't understand what her hang-up is. Yeah, they might beat her, though. I guess it's it's reasonable to be like, oh, I really don't want to be beaten again. Well, that's not what she said, though. Well, that's what I was getting to, is that it would be reasonable for Zeka to be saying, yeah, wow, I really don't want to get beat again, like, that sucked. And then, but it's not really reasonable for her to be like, I'm going to get executed, like, over and over and over, because she hasn't been shown that she's going to get executed. Neither has any of the, like, none of the other girls have been executed. Yeah, Bella, Bella Proud Girl, I'm going to call her Proud Girl, because half yeah. of these names I can't remember. Um... You might as well call them by the boring archetype that they are. (laughs) Cause the proud girl, like she was, she's been defiant like this entire time, and the worst she's gotten was like a couple of bits of barbed wire in her back, and then done. Like, has anyone else been executed yet? No. So why is one of your fears being executed, and you've seen that no one else has been executed, and all you've gotten so far is beatings? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think what we can take away from... She's died nine times! Sorry, I had one more point. She's died nine times. What's ten? Yeah. (laughs) She doesn't want ten. That's what it is. I think what we can take away is that one of two things here. A. 
Deka is uh, very naive, kind of close-minded, a little bit like, you know what I'm saying, just like kind of very fixated on becoming pure and not open to a lot of the possibilities, and that's just the character she's supposed to be, and we just don't like that character. Or, that's not the character she's supposed to be, and... Uh, we have identified that correctly. I think so. Deka, I think the, I think that's uh, one of the two options there. Like Deka just doesn't act like a person to me. <laughs> like I don't. Hey, let's bring that back to creating realistic characters. Something we're talking about in Fantastic Worlds. Wow, what a so, nice transition. Good job. Uh, thank you. I'm so good at this. Um. Anyways, so Deka doesn't feel realistic because she doesn't act like a person, according to Ethan. Um. <laughs> As well as she's hyperfixated on the stuff that someone typically wouldn't hyperfixate on. So how does this translate to us as the readers reading the rest of the book? Does that make you not want to read? Does that make you not want to connect with her? I feel like for me personally, it makes me just not think of her as someone who could stand right next to me and exist. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be straight up. I'd be happy if I never had to open this book again. <laughs> <laughs> Like, I don't know about happy. I would be, I would be indifferent if I never had to open this book again. Like, I just the characters don't engage me. I don't think they're acting the way characters would in situations. I just don't get a sense of like interest in any of what's going on. <laughs> it's just not well done, in my opinion. I just have not enjoyed it so far. Justin. Uh, yeah, I. Like I said, I don't like it, but I'm also like intrigued at the same time. I I'm think if I stop, <laughs> yeah, if I, 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 I wouldn't mind if I didn't keep reading. Um, I think I would kind of be like Ethan said, indifferent. Like there's enough that I'm like okay. Well, one point I want to bring up that's like me okay is it seems in. This is just the society that um, the author has created, but literally, women can't do anything. In any time, there's something that they like something new. It's like it just is brought back to like a new line in the infinite wisdoms. Like I almost wish that the infinite wisdoms was a few lines or whatever, short enough where we knew straight up in the beginning what they were, and then we would know. But now it's like no, every chapter is something new. That the infinite wisdoms has like said that women can't do, and I I am almost annoying. like oh it's just another new thing oh another new thing it's almost a little bit of like plot convenience that now right. she can just yeah. throw in whatever she wants she can be like oh women can't do this boom infinite wisdoms and it's like also- I get I guess so but that's why I said I wish it was set up kind of in the beginning like a few lines or something a little bit more broad in the culture then has taken liberties with it. That way we know straight up from the beginning, but now it's just like every chapter. Like, oh, women can't run. That's also an in infinite wisdoms. And I'm like, what isn't in there? <laughs> exactly. Like, one of the things, okay, being a woman, <laughs> looking at some of these rules and looking at the society, like, who would follow this? Like, what, what makes you, like, I, I understand there's a point of, like, societal pressure, but not being able to run not being able to get cut like isn't there i feel like there should be more of a presence of people who are like yeah no screw this Absolutely. i'm not doing this well <laughs> and, and there's none of that we've seen that 
in history, like, any system of oppression doesn't last for terribly long because the oppressed people rise up and are like, no, I'm not dealing with this. And on top of that, women are clearly significantly more powerful than men in this society because of this golden bullet. Like, Deka has died nine times. She pretty much can't die. She's gonna live for 40,000 years. Like, are you telling me that those people have never, in the long history of this empire that has existed, nobody's been like, yeah, uh, no, I'm not gonna not run. Like, where are all the what people are you who to would just say no? That's that's like that's what I've been thinking about this entire time. Like, when I read the running rule today, I legitimately looked up at my mom and I was like, Mom, if you ever had a rule like this, like, what what would you do? She's like, I would run. Are you kidding me? Yeah. I was like, exactly. And I get that it's of religious significance, and I can see it being something that lasted for like. A decade, maybe, but there's a point. Like, there comes a point where, like, people are so oppressed that they're going to do something about it, and it feels who in their right thing. mind would watch this? And like, for one nation to do this for a little bit, yeah, I sure. understand yeah, that. But the like, entire one empire. Nation. But the entire empire to look at this and be like, yeah, that's fine, whatever. No and one really cares. And also, assuming that it what? works the same way, fifty percent of the population is being oppressed like this. Like, come on. <laughs> Uh, like, I would no. I I think that the. <laughs> I was that guy. I would have taken that tenth death a long time ago. <laughs> I have the impression, and and I could be wrong, and I'm trying not to let this influence my perspectives on the book, but I have the impression that the author is trying to draw parallels between, uh, like, sort of what would be considered like the patriarchy in our world versus uh. And what they're doing and, like, trying to, like, set up this oppression of women to sort of have this allegorical thing. And whether that's the case or not, um, obviously, even with the significantly less egregious oppression of women that we had in the Western world, um, they still rose up and were like, no, we're done with this. And it's not like we were, it's not like anybody was telling them that they couldn't, like, walk. <laughs> like, That's the dumbest thing to me, still. I, I, the walking thing, like, I could accept everything else, but that walking line, that women can't run, I drew the line there. I was like, "That's so stupid. Who would follow this? Yeah, not no, me. And like you said, okay, one country, sure, but the entire or empire... Are we, uh, I know we're kind of closing down here on time-wise, but I want to talk about one last thing real quick. What we've been talking in class about dialogue. Because I had two points to bring up about the dialogue in this section. Um, one, I want to talk, I don't know if you guys caught it, but in chapters like 9 and 10, I was reading and I didn't see an accent for Britta in I those two that. chapters. And then the next three, and maybe she just wasn't saying the right words, but I was reading her lines, and I was like, this is just normal. So I don't, I mean, I so that confused me. The it, that was like an inconsistency to me, and it literally could have just been the words that were chosen to be written. But then again, I think then the author could have chosen better words so that the accent was conveyed. But I didn't see anything accent-wise exactly. in those first two. And then... In terms of realistic dialogue, I think there were a few lines that Deka said, and I was I was searching through the book trying to find them um, about like being friends and stuff like that. That I was like, <laughs> the I just can't I just can't see Deka saying this. Or I don't, anyone saying I'm sorry, that, but 
it, was that, like that was George my Lucas two picks lines. for dialogue. <laughs> These were getting close to George Lucas lines here. Yeah. Um, yeah, definitely about the the Britta thing. I noticed that her accent was kind of gone, and especially since Justin and I are reading the physical book, and Ethan's listening to the audio book. Ethan probably was less exposed to this yeah, because I didn't the notice. person reading it actually has to read in an accent the entire time because because mm-hmm. um so i definitely noticed that there was something off and i was like where what but justin's right if the author really wants her accent to be out there she should have chosen different words for britta saying i would use the accent like you know what i mean like why write dialogue that doesn't utilize the accent that you so specifically mentioned in the past chapters like do you remember, I don't remember what chapter it was, but when we were reading at the very beginning, I think it was, be- it was between chapters one and four, I remember in our first podcast we were talking and I was like, I had to reread over and over what Britta was saying because that accent was mm-hmm. so harsh. Where did that go? All of a sudden it just became way more readable, but why? I don't know, man. I, I mean, I pointed out in the be. first podcast, I think that the dialogue wasn't the strongest in this book and it has not gotten better. Yeah, I think there were definitely uh, sometimes it could have been could have been better, but I mean, and then again, I think I want to say it's part of just kind of the nature of the book and how they are. But uh, I mean, some of it is a little like cliche, like the blood sisters hand in the middle, like blood sisters. Yes, and I was like, I'd okay, say a lot of it's pretty cliche. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, that seems to be uh, our thoughts for chapters 9 through 14. I have one last question for you guys before we end this podcast, and it is, do we feel like continuing this book? I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) That's a valid answer. I mean, that is... Yeah, I don't really know. <laughs> and maybe we'll have to get an audience poll at some point here. Uh, you know, continue with Gilded the Ones or... Of Mr. Dixon. <laughs> yes, we've discussed also doing a Terry Brooks. Instead, moving over to him as we've explored him. Some other options. So I'm also in that I don't know category. Um, to give you an idea, we are... Uh, I would say uh, maybe a third of the way through the book. Maybe a little more. So, yeah, I mean, that's you know, there's that to take into account in, is that it's like I've read this much of this book and like part of me is like I will have wasted all that time if I didn't read the book. But then again, I could be wasting, you know, several more hours of my time if I read the rest of it. So at this point, what I'm thinking is we've come this far and if we're all not saying no immediately. I think this is worth continuing in general i mean it's not we can definitely mark this book as a little rocky for sure but i think since we're all not saying a resounding no at this moment then i think we should at least keep trying it for a bit i'm down to just finish the rest of the book now and then to discuss the rest of the book i'm fine with that but hey that's uh we'll see that's a lot of reading uh nothing we can't do i'd be okay to like (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I don't know if I want to do 
too many more podcasts on the book if we do finish it like maybe one or two more but like i i think right right at this point i have enough like throughout this these past few podcasts i've been like okay well i'll give it a chance in this next section i'll give it a chance in this next section but at this point i think the way that this author is is just solidified and it's like i'm going to be saying the same stuff for the next few podcasts in terms of just like unless anything crazy happens i mean we'll see well we'll see if anything crazy happens we will i suppose And that is all we have left to say. Thank you so much for tuning in, and make sure to stay tuned for any more upcoming podcasts with all things nerdy. Once again, my name is Alex, and these are my guests. Guests, you want to say goodbye? See ya. Later.